What's up, guys? It's Avery Carl from The Short Term Show doing the intro for the Panhandle of Florida. We are doing a 10-episode deep dive on two markets here, both the Emerald Coast and the Forgotten Coast of Florida, which basically makes up the entire Florida Panhandle. So 10-episode deep dive here. We are going to add quarterly updates, so make sure you hit that subscribe button. We also have some supplemental materials for you guys on our website. So anything you need to know about current short-term rental property pricing in terms of how much it costs to buy a property in these markets. You can find that on our website at theshorttermshop.com. You can also find current AirDNA income data thanks to our friends over at, you guessed it, AirDNA. And uh, we've got all that for you guys so that you can listen to this at any point in time and go find live pricing and live income data. Also, if you guys want to buy a short-term rental investment with a short-term shop agent on the Emerald or Forgotten Coast, you can just email us at agents at theshorttermshop.com and we will get you hooked up. These are two of my very favorite beach markets, by the way. I've chosen to live in the Emerald Coast. I also invest in the Emerald and Forgotten Coast, so very near and dear to my heart. Also, if you guys just have more questions and you wanna chat about short-term rentals, we've created an amazing community over on Facebook with over 50,000 short-term rental investors just talking shop all day. It's got the same title as my book. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. So head over there to chat more about short-term rentals. And if you want to chat live on Zoom, we've got a call every Thursday that you can join at strquestions.com. Happy investing, y'all. Hey guys, welcome back to the Short Term Show special episode. This time we are doing the Forgotten Coast and Emerald Coast or Emerald Coast and Forgotten Coast. I guess Emerald Coast is bigger, so we should uh, call say that one first. Anyway, whatever, doesn't matter. Uh, we're talking about everywhere between what January calls between the colas. So between Pensacola and Appalachicola, ba- basically the entire Florida panhandle, two markets that we cover. Um We're going to talk about what to buy today. We're going to break down the different areas and talk about what to buy there. And we have a really fun panel today uh, of short-term shop agents in the different markets. So we'll start with Pete because he's first on my screen. How's it going, Pete? You want to introduce yourself really quick? Yes. How are you doing? How's everyone? This is Pete Apizzato. I cover um, the desk from basically from Destin to Panama City Beach market. Um, Happy to be here and happy to be on this team. We're happy to have you. you. And next we have January Johnson. January, introduce yourself. Hello, January Johnson. I sell everything between Panama City Beach and basically Navarre Beach. Um, I live in Panama City and I'm a Panama City native and I'm the longest running Airbnb host in the city of Panama City. I'm old here. I've been doing this for nine <laughs> years. Um, but yeah, so that's that's my market. That's what I do. <laughs> All right. Awesome. And next we have Austin Lewis. Austin, introduce yourself. Hey, hey, what's up, party people? So I am a Pensacola-born native. Um, I basically cover from the Alabama state line, so Perito Key, uh, and then all the way over to Fort Walton Beach and anything in between, which would be Pensacola Beach and Navarre Beach. Awesome. And I am going to be covering uh, most of the stuff on the Forgotten coast today. So that is everywhere from just east of Panama City. So from where January lives all the mm-hmm. way over to Apalachicola. So the main areas there are um, Mexico Beach, Port St. Joe, St. George Island, and Cape Sandblast. And I'll break those down a little bit uh, for you guys here in a minute. 
So uh, first, what we're going to do is talk about the different areas, like where if, if you're a new investor and you're thinking, I want to buy somewhere on the Florida Panhandle, because basically the entire Florida Panhandle is very, very short-term rental friendly, very short-term rental dependent. Honestly, there's not a lot of hotel presence uh, on the Panhandle, and there's a lot of tourism, a lot of tourism for decades. Um, I always say my grandmother has been renting vacation rentals in Destin since 1937. So very, very old, mature, established vacation rental area. Uh, like I said, not a lot of hotels, but there are a lot of tourism. So the entire, um, I would say, venture say the entire economy of the panhandle does depend on vacation rentals because all of the rest of the tourist attractions wouldn't exist if there was no nowhere for these tourists to stay. Um, we do have what I would argue are the most beautiful beaches in the continental U.S. There are some people that would argue you need to go further south, but uh, it's not as pretty there. I can tell you that right now. Uh, we're very proud of our beaches here. So anyway, uh, we're going to kind of break it down for the different little markets, little micro markets within the Emerald Coast and Forgotten Coast. So we'll start with Austin. We'll go. We'll start at the Alabama state line. So Austin, tell us a little bit about who's visiting uh, Navarre, Pensacola, Perdido Key, and what the different attractions are there, because those are kind of three little micro markets and they're all a little bit different. Absolutely. So um, we get a lot of um, older people, families, things like that. We're a, a very laid back market. Um, there's not a lot of the you know uh, partying going. Honestly, there's not a lot to do besides go to the beach, but that's why we get the visitors that we do. Um, I compare it to Anna Maria Island. Some people kind of can, can pick up on that. Uh, there's just no commercialization. You know, there's not a McDonald's on every corner. And that's kind of what, what people come here looking for. Um, between the areas, I mean, there's there's definitely things that bring in tourism. We've got the Blue Angels. Those are native here. They practice two or three times a week. They've got big air shows. We've got the fireworks on the beach like, you know, a lot of beaches do. Um We've got a, a giant military base uh, that adds, you know, a whole the, the coast through Florida. There's a lot of military bases, but we've got a uh, Pensacola NAS, which is one of the biggest Navy bases there is. So we get a lot of graduates from there. So families come down to visit people graduating. But as a whole, it's, you know, really just people coming to see the pristine beaches. Um, Perdido Key is going to be pretty condo oriented. Um, there's a lot of condos over there. But if you get over towards Pensacola Beach, Navarre Beach, uh, what's really cool about that is it's actually federally owned. So the the government essentially protects the beaches and the pristineness of them. Um, there, there's a land lease fee involved in that, which we can get into detail later on. But um, there's a lot of national seashore. So basically, people can go out there and, and really spread out. And uh, it gives the illusion of having a private beach. Awesome. Um, and what area would you say of that part of the Emerald Coast is most affordable versus um, most expensive between Navarre, Perdido, and Pensacola Beach? So it's going to depend on the proximity to the beach and what kind of property you get in. Um, condos, we can get you into for as low as around 250000 And that's kind of across the board, uh, no matter where you buy. Um, again, Perdido Key is going to have the most condos, but um, condos around two fifty at the moment, you know, that's always changing. But 
Um, of course, you got to have 20% down with a condo. Single family homes, you're going to look at around a 600 to 650 entry price. Um, I would say Navarre is probably the most expensive if you, you know, gun to my head, had to had to pick just because it's such a small area. Um, the, the homes over there appreciate like crazy just because there's not a lot of them. The whole Navarre Beach area is only about 29 square miles. Uh, and the island that it's on average is about 2,000 foot wide from the sound side to the Gulf side. So, you know, you've got a really small area that those short term rent, the, the popular properties are in. So uh, there's a lot of drive and demand for those properties. Awesome. Thank you very much. So yeah. now we'll scoot over to the Fort Walton slash Destin 30A area. So this will be a mix of Pete and January. So whoever wants to start there can do that. But then, Jan, we're going to move on to Panama City proper and 30A after. I mean, sorry, I already said 30A. Panama, whatever. Both of you. <laughs> go I'll ahead. let you go first. Pete can go first. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So the Fort Walton area is really cool. It's along this really the short-term rentals kind of are in one pocket around Ogalusa Island. Once you go over the bridge, I wouldn't say it's really a short-term rental zone. Um, Ogalusa Island's a really cool stretch of property. Um, I forget how many miles it is. It's probably about four miles or so, four or five miles. Um, and it's just kind of a sliver of land. But once you get towards the end, you go, uh, you make a left. I forget what street it is, um, but it takes you back down towards all, a lot of beachfront condos and a lot of single family homes. Um, really cool stretch of land, it's beautiful. There's a lot of tourist things along there, like the boardwalk and um, a lot of other sort of properties on um, either side of the road. Um, and then as you make your way down more towards Destin, I would say, because I live in Destin, I'm very particular to Destin. I love Destin. Um, it's just, it has a mixture of everything. Um, it's commercialized, but it also has the small town beach feel on the opposite side of 98. So um, you kind of get everything you want. You could stay in Destin and you really don't have to leave Destin. I totally agree with that. And let's let's hit on a couple little areas inside of Destin. So there are a few I mean, all of Destin is good for short-term rentals as long as you yeah. are south of Highway 98. So That's Highway true. 98 is the main road that runs through the middle of really all of these towns. Yeah. Uh, you want to stay south of 98. You do, th These are not areas where it's going to work for your guests to have to drive to the beach across the highway. Uh, and actually in Destin, you're not allowed to short-term rent north of 98. But for all intents and purposes, like the entire Florida panhandle, I would say you want to be south of 98 uh, for, for the optimal renting. So anyway, best areas inside of Destin proper. I really like Holiday Isle. It's kind of almost like a little peninsula. Uh, there's some condos, there's single families. Uh, it's the only place in Destin where you can get properties with a dock or a boat slip. Uh, because it's not on the bay. It's on the Destin Harbor, but yep. the beach is right there too. So uh, I love Holiday Isle. It's a cool little area. And then the one of the best areas for short-term rentals in Destin is going to be an area called Crystal Beach, uh, not to be mixed up with Crystal Beach, Texas. It's a neighborhood in Destin called Crystal Beach. Uh, that's where I own mine. That one is actually, I think, the oldest like short-term 
short-term rental specific neighborhood. And I say neighborhood, it's, it doesn't have an HOA. It's, um, but everything is walkable to the beach. Uh, mostly single families. There are a few little condo buildings. Uh, so anyway, those are my, that's my two favorite areas in Destin to buy. Yeah, absolutely. So Holiday Isle has its own kind of feel. Like you said, it's like a little peninsula, really cool properties over there, some beachfront condos, and also several like beachfront townhome communities. Uh, I mean, uh, Bayfront, I should say. Um, they have, like you said- Harborfront. Harborfront, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so just sold one last week um, and they have two boat docks right out. Really cool, interesting, unique property. I think she's gonna kill it with it. Um, but yeah, Crystal Beach, I love that area. That's where you really have that beach vibe. So, you know, the homes are walking distance to the beach. Um, you you cross the street and you're right on some of the most beautiful beaches really in the country. Um, I grew up going to the Jersey Shore and those are nothing compared to here. Um, so I once I moved here, um, I totally agree. I think the beaches here are more beautiful than South Florida. I would agree with that. And also back to Holiday Isle, the cool thing about Holiday Isle is that, so you're on the harbor and there's tons of bars right on the other side of the harbor and restaurants and they have the harbor walk. And there is something called the Destin Water Taxi that will come pick you up from your boat slip and take you to the other side so you can go eat and drink and do all kinds of fun stuff and then come back without having to get into the bad Highway 98 traffic which um, that's also why I like Holiday Isle because there's a few yeah. restaurants on it. So you don't have to get out into 98 traffic to uh, to yeah. go eat and everything. So that's a pretty cool thing that's um, specific to Holiday Isle. But like Pete said, uh, I think in terms of single families, Crystal Beach is going to be the best bang for your buck. Uh, there are other yeah. areas of Destin that have great, beautiful single families too, but they're going to be a little more expensive. In most cases, they're inside HOAs. Um, yeah. All right. So I think... That's pretty good on Destin. Let's scoot over to Miramar Beach. So Miramar Beach is actually in Walton County. It's right over the line from you. If you're driving through, you wouldn't know that you've left Destin and entered Miramar no Beach. Idea. Yeah, I didn't even yeah. know Miramar Beach was a separate town until I was well into my 20s. So a uh, very similar vibe to Destin. And uh, again, that uh, for, is it I know it's how to spell it, but I always try to not say it out loud. Frangista or is it Frangista yeah. Beach? I think it's Frangista Beach. Yeah, really beautiful sure. homes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right. So like driving along, riding along Scenic 98, you don't really know unless there's one sign actually that says entering Walton County. Um, unless you know where that is, you wouldn't know the difference. Um, I bike ride on there pretty much every day. So I see it every day. But <laughs> There's no difference in vibe. Like the homes are still just beautiful. The beaches, no matter where you are in this panhandle, the beaches are just as gorgeous um, from west to east. Yeah, I agree with that. And again, Frangista Beach, really similar to me to Crystal Beach in Destin. There's a lot of different types of single family homes, all walkable to the beach. There's, of yep. course, plenty of condo and townhome buildings over there, too. But it's just a different county. So the process for getting a short term rental permit is a little bit different. But that's really the only difference. Yeah. All right. Continuing to scoot eastward. Next, we have 30A, also in Walton County. Uh, it's technically Santa Rosa Beach, but we call it 30A because that's the name of the little county road that goes along the beach. It's about 14 miles total. There's a bunch of little communities 
along 30A. So 30A is going to be a little different than Destin and Miramar Beach. There's a lot of rules on 30A where there are no there's no commercialization allowed really. So there's only local restaurants, only local salons, only local businesses. There's no drive-throughs. You have to go out to Highway 98 uh, for any chain restaurants or drive-throughs. And there's only one to two, maybe three condo buildings on 30A. They don't allow big condos. So everything's going to be a single family. 30A can lean more towards the lifestyle purchase there are a lot of, uh, and by lifestyle purchase, I mean people that aren't necessarily buying for cash flow. They're buying because they want to own a house here that they can use, and then they're renting it to um, offset those costs. However, uh, there still are a lot of deals that are good for cash flow. You just kind of have to know where to look. So some of the bigger names of communities around 30A are Rosemary Beach, Seaside, Grayton Beach, um, those are the, the really expensive areas and that a lot of people want to go to. Like if you're coming to visit 30A, you're going to go walk around Seaside and do all the shops and all the restaurants and stuff. But if you buy in the little pockets that are kind of in between those big names, you can get a house for a significantly less money that you can just take a quick bike ride or, you know, a five minute walk into those expensive areas. So those are the, I recommend buying in the little, the pocket. So um, like Dune Allen, Blue Mountain. I love Blue Mountain. Seacrest, yeah. um, Seagrove is also, that's right between Seaside and um, and Alice Beach. Really, really nice. Uh, but it's, you can, there's a mix of different kinds of houses. It's not all like ultra luxury. They are going to be more expensive. So if you want to be on 30A, buy the pocket. Buying in the pocket is my recommendation, but I'm sure you guys probably have a few things to add. Yeah, no, 30A, I feel, you know, it's from the history lessons I've gotten from people that live here and from Uber drivers picking up at the airport <laughs> um, and from my own research, you know, 30 years ago, it was really not, there was really nothing there. Nothing before 1995. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's crazy how quickly this, this area has exploded. Um, and, you know, for people, especially the well-to-do type traveler, that's really sort of where they, um, I find they're gravitating towards. Um, It's all newer construction. It's all higher end. Um, The towns are like planned communities. So there's a rhyme and a reason behind it, but they all have their own feel. So you go from Rosemary to Alice, the look changes. You go from Alice to Seaside, it's a whole different look, Um, which is really cool because you're driving along this 14 mile road and it's not all the same. It just differs as you make your way from west to east. I call it beach summer camp because it's you're you know it's it's just got that small town feel. People yeah. are on bikes and you know, and we are super drivable. I mean, most of the people who come here drive here, and so people expect to drive. So even if they're if you have a property in the pocket, as Avery says, people are going to drive to the Pearl and they're going to drive to you know, a state park, or they're going to drive to the national seashore. They they want to see things while they're here. Some people want to just stay where they are, and that's fine too. But we should also note that in the Rosemary 30A area, you are not going to be anywhere close to the sand. You're going to be in the, I mean, your, your, your property is not going to be on the sand. Your property is going to be way back from the sand, and you're going to have a, a bike experience and a walking experience. But um, unless you're in the 10 to $15 million purchases, you're not going to be on the sand in Rosemary. 
Oh, yeah. I would honestly never uh, watch me eat my words in a few years. Something will happen and I will do it. But I would never recommend for an investor personally to buy in Rosemary because it's $5 million more expensive to yeah. be in it than next door to it. And there's just no reason for that from an investment standpoint. But if you buy in Seacrest next door, you can get in for a couple million, maybe three. I haven't, it just depends on the property. Um, and it's a much better price point. But again, like I, right you, you do have to buy the pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend buying like directly in Seaside or I would 1000% never recommend buying in Alice for cash. I mean, if you just want to own there, great. But uh, cash flow wise, it's just probably not a good decision. I call Alice like the most high end ghost town I've ever seen, because every time I drive through there, you know, <laughs> everything is so beautiful and it's white and has a really, really like the tallest uh, palm trees in the area. At, but like there's always only two people that I ever see. Every time I drive through there, I never yeah. see people. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So 38, you're buying the pocket. I love Blue Mountain for deals. Um, and then Seagrove and Seacrest. Those would be my three recommendations for looking for the pocket deals. And then there are every now and then you'll be able to get like a small old Florida bungalow that has been there for a long time. But a lot of those are getting knocked down to build big, huge houses. So uh, I love it here. I do have a rental on 30A um, in Gulf Place, but it's definitely uh, you have to be patient and persistent to find a, a cash flowing deal here, as with anywhere. So yeah. now, if we don't have anything else to add to 30A, I know January's been waiting for her time to shine, the Panama mm -hmm. City Beach queen. Um, we'll scoot over to Panama City Beach. All right. Well, your money is going to go farthest in Panama City Beach of anywhere on the Emerald Coast. I would I would also say Emerald and Forgotten Coast, but definitely Emerald Coast. Um, there's there's a you know there's like an older section of PCB and a kind of newer section of PC, PCB. We had a condo building boom here between 2005 and 2009. Lots of buildings went up. So if you're looking for a condo, those you know there's lots of choices there. But my favorite part of Panama City Beach is Lower Grand Lagoon. If you're looking at a map, it's the far farthest east edge of Panama City Beach. It butts up to the St. Andrew State Park. It's below the lagoon and above the Gulf. So you can walk to both of them. Um, and I, I do sell quite a few properties in this area because they are affordable. You can get a single family for a decent price, um, you know, uh, walkable to the lagoon, walkable to the Gulf. The place where I go to the beach when when I, you know, as a local go uh, behind schooners and <laughs> get my my food and my drink and my uh, rental beach chair and good parking and good beach access and all that. It is golf cartable. Um, you don't have to have a golf cart here, but a lot of people like to, uh, but it's not necessary. There's plenty of places guests can rent, but that's my favorite part. And of course, we do have townhome communities. Um, we do have lots of condos on the beach as well on that far eastern edge. Um, and it's a pretty long stretch toward the western edge of Panama City Beach. It's what people say is quieter. There's definitely not, you know, the family attractions like Ripley's Believe It or Not and all that on the western edge. Um, sometimes the neighborhoods can be a little mixed over there, but it is quieter. That's for sure. We have a big shopping area that to a lot of people is not that exciting, but it's uh, got a lot of, you know, seafood, touristy oh, restaurants. Pier Park. Pier Park, Yeah. yeah. So that's desirable to be around that area. Um, and um, yeah, townhomes, condos, and single family, I think are all the most affordable of anywhere on the Emerald Coast in Panama City Beach. I think I would probably agree with that. 
And yeah. by the way, guys, so we've been talking about how all these areas are very drivable. The majority of our tourism in all these areas, and I'll get to Forgotten Coast in a minute, are driving in from the southeast. So everywhere from you know Texas to the east uh, and Kentucky slash Virginia to the south. These are the beaches that those people come to when they go to the beach. We do have three airports in the area, though. So we've got Pensacola, which I think is the biggest uh, we've got Panama City, and then we have the Destin Fort Walton Airport also. So lots of airport options. We are turning into more of a fly to destination, but I mean the entire southeast comes here for vacation. Yep. Uh, we're actually in the middle of Atlanta spring break right now, and uh, you cannot leave your house slash office. Like there's nowhere you need to go during Atlanta spring break or Houston spring break because there's mm -hmm. just so many people here. <laughs> Um, okay, now I'll hit the Forgotten Coast. Y'all feel free to to pop in on, on any points you want to make there. So east of Panama City, there's what we call the Forgotten Coast, and it's called the Forgotten Coast because when the entire rest of Florida was getting developed, somehow the Forgotten Coast was forgotten about, and it is not as developed, like, or not developed at all. So um, just east of Panama City, there is Mexico Beach. Then there's Port St. Joe, if you go a little bit further east. Off of Port St. Joe is a big, it's a cape peninsula island uh, but it's called cape sandblast which is out in the water so if you are standing on the beach in port st joe you're on the bay and you're looking out you can see cape sandblast kind of off in the distance so it's a cape out off of port st joe and yeah i actually own one on cape sandblast and i love it and then um east of that in the water another island called st george island kind of similar vibe um, the single families are going to be more affordable in these areas than Destin and, um, Miramar beach 30A, all that. Uh, but the difference here is that a lot of the tourists who are going to the true Emerald coast. So Panama city to Destin, Pensacola, those areas are really developed. There's a lot of attractions other than just the beach. There's lots and lots of places to eat, uh, lots of restaurants, like anything you could think of all kinds of putt, putt, go-karts, everything. But the Forgotten Coast doesn't have any of that. As a matter of fact, it's all like there might be two or three grocery stores, period, out on Cape Sandblast where my property is. It's all vacation rentals. There's only one condo development and there's not a grocery store. There are two convenience stores that have that are kind of big that have like anything you might have forgotten, like, oh, I forgot crab boil and I'm trying to, you know, boil crabs tonight or they have everything you could possibly need to get through the week, but it's not going to be like going to an actual grocery store. So I would venture to say that tourists who are coming to this area are looking for the true just beach bum experience. They're going to stay in their house. They're going to walk to the beach and they're going to walk home. And there are like three restaurants on the Cape. There's one in Mexico Beach. There's a handful in Port St. Joe, I think, is the most uh, actual town-ish. There's like a cute little town square that's about 10 minutes off the Cape if you want to go from the Cape. Uh, and there's like a few Mexican restaurants uh, on the Cape. There's the two or three restaurants that are out there. It's kind of like if your aunt, who's a really good cook, started a restaurant and she's just not that great at running a business. So You'll go and they'll be open sometimes during the hours that they say they're going to be open and the food will be amazing and it's going to be so amazing, but the efficiency is not going to be there, <laughs> period. Um, and, you know, same thing with St. George Island, uh, but poor St. Joe's got a Piggly Wiggly. That's the biggest grocery store over there. So it's definitely a different 
traveler, a different type of experience. Uh, Pete mentioned that 30 years ago, 30A was just kind of nothing. So a lot of the people who used to love going to 30A 15 to 30 years ago when it was not so crowded, now a lot of those vacationers have have moved over to vacationing in Mexico Beach and Cape San Blas and St. George Island because it's not as crowded and it's kind of like what 30A was um, years ago. So I think think we've covered all the little areas. Um, yeah, there's a few points that I want to make, but I'll save those for a different episode. So let's talk about what we are buying in each of those areas. So we don't have to go in any particular order. You guys can just kind of kind of take off. But, you know, are we buying single families? Are we buying condos? What's what's the best thing to buy on the beach, off the beach? How are we? Someone take it away. I I think it, no matter where you are buying, I think one of the most important things is proximity to the beach. Um, so if, whether you're on the beachfront condo, obviously that's ultimate. Um, but with buying homes, I think the proximity to the beach is super important. You don't want to be that far. Um, cause like I tell all my clients, when you, when you're buying a property in a beach market, the number one amenity is the beach. So you want to be super convenient to get to the beach. And if you could walk and not have to drive and look for parking, that's ultimate. Um, but regardless, what's that? I said, absolutely. That's, I, I tell my clients very similar. Number one on your, on your pride, your, your buy box needs to be proximity to the beach. Number two needs to be number of bedrooms you can get. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, like you said, that people are coming here to go to the beach for sure. Um, condos, honestly, personally, uh, whenever I've, you know, just kind of fiddled with numbers, uh, I, I see a lot better cash flow. If someone's going to buy a condo, if you're going to buy over about a two bedroom condo, you can normally get a lot more bang for your buck as a single family home or townhome in my area personally. Um, but yeah, pro- you want to be close to the beach. And then obviously, yeah, like like Austin mentioned, obviously you want to have enough bedrooms to accommodate a decent number of guests because in these markets, like we've said earlier, you know, the majority of the people are driving in. So typically, you know, when you're not flying in and you're driving in, a lot of these people, and I see it firsthand, I, I, I'm along the beach almost every day here in Destin, um, you see large groups. It's not just typically one family, it's usually one or two. So even at the grocery store, I see, you know, two moms and their kids loading up the the, uh, the carts with food. So, you know, typically they're not going to fit in a condo. So they're looking for single family homes in a lot of in, in a lot of instances. Um, obviously, there are condos in Destin also, but I think Destin tends to be sort of a uh, single family heavy type market, single family home type market. Um it also and depends on your financing because if you're if you are trying to do a second home loan, a vacation home loan, and yes. you're 10% down, you can't get a condo because no. they all require at least in my market, I tell people 25%. I heard Austin say 20, but definitely 25 and up in Panama City Beach and around here. Um and it's it's primarily because of the way the condo building is used. It's not used as a residential building. It's used as a as a hotel, and so there's a different risk level to the lender on different various different points. So they your terms are different. And if you want to do a vacation home loan, condos are out for you. Yes. Um, but townhomes and single family both finance that the same, and you know you can get very affordable townhomes if you if all you can afford is something smaller like two bedrooms. 
then get it close to the beach. And I've got townhome communities that, you know, you can definitely do that, that have pools and shuffleboard and, you know, a beachfront pool and clubhouse and all that kind of stuff. So you can get, you can get even closer, even if you're at the lower end of, of a budget, um, that, that is doable. Um, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. Single family homes, you know, you can market to people who have a boat. There's lots of fishing here. There's, you know, there's places you can put your boat in. I mean, granted, that's not a lot of customers that come down here hauling a boat necessarily, but they could. And um, I definitely have parking at two of my rentals that is, well, there's enough parking that people could have boats and, and they they do a lot. So it just, you know, they're different, each different property type has its pros and cons, but financing is going to be a filter for a lot of people. For yeah. sure. And they all play their part. Like, I mean, I've got clients that own one bedroom condos overlooking the Gulf that kill it. And uh, they, you know, that'll be premier for snowbirds too during the off season. You know, the, the snowbirds coming down aren't going to typically going to want to stay anything bigger than maybe a two bedroom. So uh, they all, all play their part. It's, um, not saying that you sh- just shouldn't buy a one bedroom condo, but um, of course, the the more bedrooms you, you get overall, the, the higher your revenue will be for sure. Yeah. There's, a, there's a couple of pockets of townhomes over in Panama City Beach too, d- in different locations that have two units in one where the bottom level will be a one one that you can lock out and rent separately. Or, and the upper would be a three three. So the whole thing is a four four, but you can either rent it all together or you can rent it separately. And that gives you some extended season um, and I, you know, there's a couple of areas I know that because people like a little mother-in-law suite and I definitely own a property myself that has a mother-in-law suite in the back and, and it's nice for the flexibility for you, or if you wanted to come down and, and rent the, you know, stay in your one bedroom and still make money on the upper, <laughs> you know, people can do that too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And that, that's a good point that Austin touched on is, you know, these markets are also very big for snowbirds and typically snowbirds are looking for two bedrooms or less. Um, so, and, and they want to be close to the beach typically. So, um, or in like one of those sort of golf communities, um, they, you know, they're not looking typically for a large home in, in the winter months. They're looking for a two bedroom condo or so. So this, this market is huge for snowbirds. Um, a lot of the properties I've sold recently when I was looking at them with my clients, the snowbirds are in there for three months. So that's definitely something to figure into your numbers because that's pretty much guaranteed revenue for three months out of the year. The other thing about snowbirds is they form a community of people and they come down here to the same places year after year and they see their friends from all over the place year after year, which is very interesting. And I mean, I myself have had snowbirds come six and seven years in a row to my place. My places are not on Panama City Beach, but still like, you know, if they find a, a great host in a great area and there's lots to do or proximity to what they want to do, then they will be loyal people. Absolutely. Two of the two of the properties I just sold in the last month, one snowbird set have been there for 14 years in a row. And another one has been coming to the same property for seven. Yeah. One thing I want to hit on too, is that depending on what your budget is and what size property you want is probably going to determine whether it's a condo or a townhome or a house. So there's more lower occupancy single family in Panama City than over in 30A Miramar, Destin, Pensacola. But um, typically, if you're looking for a one, two, maybe even three bedroom, most of the inventory for that is going to be a condo. 
And the single families typically start at four bedrooms and up. So if you're looking for a lower occupancy unit, it's probably going to be a condo in most cases. And like Pete said, the snowbirds like to stick to smaller places. So if you get a big five bedroom, you're probably not going to have an off-season renter. Um, so keep that in mind. And if you're getting a condo, again, in my opinion, and let me know if this is different in y'all's different micro markets, but you want the condo to be on the beach. Whereas if it's a single family, as long as it's walkable or golf cartable to the beach, then you're in good shape. Um, You don't want a condo that's, you know, across like, you know, uh, you don't want to, with some exceptions. So there are going to be some, some situations where it makes sense, but you don't want a condo that's five blocks off the beach. You want condos on the beach. If you can single families walkable to the beach. Uh, it, uh, I would say across the entire Forgotten and Emerald Coast. And Panama City Beach, you can definitely get three bedroom homes. I mean, you can also get two bedrooms or you can get a duplex that's got, you know, two a two one on each side. That, that's a different financing, too, because that's multifamily usually. But but still, you can get three bedroom, single family walkable to the beach. And I think Panama City Beach is probably the only place. Yeah, I For think sure. you're right about that. Of course, uh, you know, a single family home that's on the Gulf is going to rent like crazy. But the the obscene price that you pay for it, in my opinion, typically probably isn't going to make it a good investment. Multiple yeah. million. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be several million dollars more than the one, one block back. Right. It's the same size. And then you've also got the added insurance costs of being on the sand and wind and all that. And we'll talk about that in another episode, but yeah, I, there's very few scenarios as an investor personally that I think it makes sense to buy something right on the sand just because it's going to be three to four times the price of the one across the street, one to two blocks back, that's still going to get rented. So that's my opinion, though. I'm sure somebody's going to be emailing me, telling me why I'm wrong about that, but I don't care. <laughs> my first sale at the short-term shop was on Navarre Beach, and it was a it was a, ta- a duplex townhome. I mean, w- my people bought one side of it. But it was a four four, and it was on the sand, and I couldn't oh, believe wow. it. They got a well, good price. That. They paid one point two five for oh, it sad. in March of last year, so they've owned it just a year now. Okay. Um, but that was a very good price for on the sand, and they accepted some less less great conditions in the property uh, because it was on the sand. Like that, that made a a big difference to them. But yeah, that's, awesome. Yeah. Uh, also you can, if your property is just a little too far to be comfortable walking, uh, you can't, there are companies that will provide golf carts for your clients to, for your guests to rent. You can own the golf cart, but I prefer renting it from these companies. They'll drop it off. Then the liability switches from you to the company. And we'll get further into that on, on other. There's also an area over there, what used to be called the hub and is now called the big chill or something where (laughs) those places have changed, have a tram that will pick you up and take you to the beach in some, some locations. I'm not super familiar with every one of them, but some of them have, you know, the businesses around have funded that. So they'll give you a ride over to wherever. Yeah. The villages of crystal beach over in Destin, they're a little far from the beach, but they're all really, really cute. And they have a really amazing pool. They have a a tram that the HOA pays for to the beach. There's technically is a, a trolley thing that goes all the way from both ends of, of 30A, but I don't know anything about that. I should probably research that for another episode, <laughs> but I know there is one. I've never used it. When it's not spring break, I'll go test it out and report back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should report back during spring break. Live! <laughs> <laughs> it's scary out here. Get on the tram. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. So let's let's dive into condos a little bit. Not too hard on the financing, but on a lot of people who are going to be listening to this would be like, why would you buy in a condo? The HOA is going to rule you out immediately. So let's talk about why condos are such a good opportunity in these markets because they really are. And I'm I'm very pro condo in markets like this, but a lot of people are scared of them. So. Um, and I think that there are a lot of good condo deals because people are scared of them and because they're a little more difficult to finance. So I personally, Luke and I made a gigantic stupid mistake when we first started. We had a condo under contract in Panama City, and we actually had one in Destin too. Uh, for I don't even want to say how much it was back then. It was oh, it geez. was pennies, um, <laughs> <laughs> and we use our regular conventional lender and they were like, oh yeah, I think I can bang this through. So that, guys, that is the the death knell of a deal is when a lender who isn't familiar with mm-hmm. the condos in the area you're buying says, oh yeah, I think I can make this work. They yeah. cannot, it won't, it will not. I just um, had to deal it, with Farmers <laughs> Bank of Kansas because when oh, I thought that they could get a better rate, I'm like, I gave you my speech about this when we first they went through three different lenders only to end up back with the local person. I was like, all right, well, that's two yeah. weeks gone. No, you have to kind of, this is where our expertise has to come in because yeah. I've had clients already pre-approved and they want to go for a condo. And I'm like, you know, in my experience, the chance of this happening is probably less than 50%. Yeah. So do you want to make an offer or do you want to close the deal? And so, here's why, here's why, because they say, oh yeah, we loan on condos, but they think residential condos. Yes, and this exactly. is a, a condo that's used like a hotel. And so exactly. people they don't have have to, right. People have to, um, the, the lenders have to do this due diligence that local lenders already have done. They already can tell you this is a non-warrantable condo and here's the reasons. Yes. And they can update it from time to time. And I'm not saying these things can't change, um, but the lender at the Farmers Bank of Kansas was, you know, had to call the HOA. And he was like, well, we called the CASA. I'm like, why would you? That's the number on the website. Like, that's the management company. Like, they don't even know that, right? They don't know the difference between the HOA and the management company for rental property. So, you know, don't, yeah, just stick with your, with, with your realtor who knows and best and can save you all this time. We're we're here to guide you. If the list agent will even let you, you know, get that far. A lot of times I'll have to write an offer contingent. Like, like you said, it'll be some uh, Oklahoma bank or whatever, you know, and I'll have to say, Hey, this is contingent upon them getting pre-approved with a local lender because I I know they're going to kick it back and um, it's just not going to work. Yeah. Well, I mean, I went all the way down that road in the studio. Like I owned a, this is the back, like in the old days, 2017, (laughs) And Luke and I, we owned two two cabins in the Smokies. And we like thought we knew everything about everything, and then came down here to get a couple condos. Used our conventional lender in Tennessee. Got halfway through the deals, and she was like, uh, "Actually, no, we can't make these warrantable. Sorry, you can't." And so, because she couldn't do it conventional, she said these aren't conventionally financeable. Our stupid newbie, not stupid newbies are not stupid, but we rookie rookie mistake. We were like, "Oh." Well, these aren't conventionally financeable. I guess everybody who owns a condo in Panama City or Destin paid cash for these. Like, where are all these people getting all these this cash? No, that's not the case. It's they're just getting portfolio loans or commercial loans, just not conventional. So, yeah. if we were that dumb to start off, 
there are plenty of other people who are avoiding condos because they think the same thing. They don't realize, the general public doesn't realize there are other types of financing besides conventional. So I think a lot of people skip over condos because they are weirded out by the financing. They skip over condos because if you were to go buy a condo in like Dallas, where a lot of people live, yeah, you're going to get voted out of that HOA. They're going to they're going to rule you out. They're going to say no short-term rentals. So a lot of people get scared when they come to markets like this or Myrtle Beach where there's a ton of condos. They think the same thing applies, but the reason that the condo buildings exist in all of these markets is to house vacation rentals. So I think because of that, they present a really, really great opportunity for investors because typically in the general real estate investing world, condos are kind of a no-no, uh, but I think that they're a great option. I'm sitting underneath one of my condos right now in my office. So yeah. people, people also conflate the word HOA with bossy um, residents who are going to control you. And and what we when we say HOA, we just mean the fee that you pay for all of the amenities I mean, yes, there is an a, an association. Yes, there are meetings. Yes, there are things that happen. But these are all owners who are vacation rental owners, and they they want to vote in their own best interest about things. And so, when we say HOA, we just mean the monthly or quarterly or annual fee that you pay for the insurance and the water and the groundskeeping and the amenities and all of that kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. And I was going to say too that the insurance is cheaper. I mean, that's a big selling point. Right now, uh, at least in my areas, hey, you know, your your insurance, you've only have to insure walls in, you know, that you've got with that HOA payment you're you're given, you're also kind of helping towards your, your there's an association insurance. Um, so you know, you're saving money on that. Like Avery said, that uh I get a lot of clients, you know, um maybe that are are newbies and they're they're really nervous. Hey, what if the HOA shuts us down? And um I'll kind of that's definitely a selling point that hey, since they're non-warrantable, they're non-warrantable because they're so heavily investor-owned. So even if someone does come in and say, hey, we we don't want short-term rentals in here anymore, they're going to get voted out. You know, you're not going to have to have to worry about that. Um, you got that. If you, with the higher down payment, you're, you know, that kind of sucks, but your cash flow is going to be higher. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of pluses. Um, you know, for for people that live out of state, this is their first one. They're nervous about, hey, how am I going to do this? How you know, I, I don't have any contacts. Okay, well, who does all this? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You you just need a cleaner. They handle just about everything else. Yeah. One of the things that people kind of get concerned about is the monthly HOA fee. That's my biggest pushback for from clients is, you know, I don't want to pay the monthly HOA fee. And then when you sort of break it down, I tell them, listen. It sounds you get sticker shock when you first hear it, depending on the building. But when you actually break down the fees that are included in there, it's your water, it's your garbage, it's your maintenance, it's your amenities, pools, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the yeah, the the complete insurance of the building, internet cable in a lot of instances. So basically the only thing you're gonna have to pay in addition to your monthly HOA is your electric bill. And I've even seen some HOAs that include electric. Um, not many, but there's a few, and but they're usually on the higher end. Um, so you're literally writing one check a month. Um, so when you break down that several hundred dollars a month, whatever the, the fee may be, now you start analyzing out like, oh, it's really not as bad as it seems right off the bat. Avery, I wanted to go back and put something in about Panama City Beach that when we're talking about where to buy. Um, Panama City Beach is a short-term rentable neighborhood by neighborhood. So um, like those of us who sell down here, we have maps and we can sort by what is short-term rentable and what is not. 
But a lot of times I'll have a, a client send me a listing. And what about this house? It's like, did I send that to you? No, I saw it on Zillow. Okay. Well don't, you know, <laughs> cease and yeah. desist from Zillow and Redfin and all that, because, <laughs> because I've already done that work for you. And we do, we do set aside some neighborhoods that are for regular folks. You know, not everything is, is vacation. There are permanent residents on Panama city beach, only about 18,000, but still they got to have someplace to live. So not every home uh, is short-term rentable. So don't get excited that you found some deal that you thought eluded me because <laughs> <laughs> It didn't. <laughs> Deals do not elude. Yeah. They do not. There are yeah. regular yeah. people who want to have to go to the Walmart on Panama City Beach and look at everybody's butt cheeks. I didn't mean to throw that in the, in the middle of the condo thing, but I just didn't want to leave it out because yeah. it's no. It's, I appreciate. Yeah, I think no, that, that's a good point. That's a good point. Actually, we get that a lot. You know, I'll get uh, clients that send me a listing from Zillow or Realtor.com, and for a house in Destin that's priced at five fifty. You know, like, it's north of 98, sort of like what we discussed before. So, you know, the good thing about these markets is they're mature markets. Vacation rentals have been here for decades, but it's not a free-for-all. You can't just short-term rent any property there is. And, and you know, uh, the people that live here don't want that happening. And you wouldn't really necessarily want that happening either because, you know, if you're a mile or two from the beach, is it really going to rent that well? You know, or if so. you're in, if you're short-term running in a neighborhood that's not uh, full of short-term rental people, do you want neighbors upset with you? Exactly. So no, yeah. We, we, yeah, and exactly. that exists. So I I live in one of those neighborhoods. We don't have an HOA, but all the residents have lived there a long time. Like I don't think my neighbors even like me just because I'm new <laughs> and I'm not planning to do anything. But like <laughs> you represent older, them, though. <laughs> yeah, they're they're older and retired <laughs> and just cranky kind of. They're very nice, wonderful people. I'm sure they're never going to hear this, but uh, still, I don't feel like either of my neighbors are fans of me, except for our one next door neighbor who's awesome, and we give him craft beer every Christmas. Anyway, because they know you're the short term rental queen, so they're getting. Saying, you represent- I don't know that. I don't think that they do. I they know. Think, yeah. I don't think they do, and I don't want them to know that. Uh, so, but. If somebody were to like, there's a lot, a few doors down that's for sale that comes with pl- uh, building plans for like a big, huge mega mansion that they're going to rent and the the neighbors do not like it. And while there's no, uh, there's no HOA to actually do anything about it, they will make your life hard. <laughs> so, and I don't blame them. I don't want it next to me either, but yeah, you do have to kind of watch out for that. It's not so much here. Like most people understand if you're going to live here that this is what you're dealing with. And I I personally love seeing tourists. Like there's one riding by his bike right by my window right now. Reminds me of being a little kid and coming down here on my family with my family when I was little and remembering how much fun we had. So I love the tourists, but sometimes um, the rest of our, our local people do not love them. Yeah. Um, anyway, that back to what we're talking about. So is there anything, let's talk about things that do not work because, you know, investors, we all like to find the deal. We all like to find that one thing that other people might not have thought of that we're going to be really successful at. And, oh, Jan, go ahead. What doesn't work is low, stupid, low ball offers. This is not the housing market. This is a vacation (laughs) rental market. I'm not saying we can't get properties under asking. I will definitely you know, consult with you about that. And we all will talk to you about the best way to structure your offer. 
But please don't think that you can come in here and offer $100,000 under asking on a $500,000 property and somebody's going to be desperate and need to sell it. They're selling a business, basically. And so, so it's a different mindset. So, yeah, that, that does work. And we'll have a whole episode on this where I'll, I'll turn you loose on it, Jan. But uh, <laughs> It is, it is a different type of seller. So the the super low ball offers, not that they can't work here, but that works really well in like a C-class single family uh, neighborhood, like where people live in vacation market, you know, I would say like, you know, in the Midwest or any medium sized metro market across the country. But here, all these properties are either second homes or investment properties. So these are things that people are fine waiting to unload at full retail. Exactly. Uh, you're not going to run into many distressed sellers. But in terms of like geographic things that don't work, I've seen a few people. So don't guys do not two things. First thing, please don't make us sell you something North of 98. You can short-term rent North of 98 in Walton County. I'm not entirely sure about Bay County, Jan, can you? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can. And there's one little pocket over by Lake Powell on the far west edge of PC that people do short-term rent, but your returns are not going to be as good as they are south. So that's the only, I, when I tell people there's one exception, that's what I mean, but I qualify it with all of that. So there is newer construction. You can get in at a lower price. If you're okay being by the lake, which is a dune lake, which is a cool ecological feature we have here, that's awesome, but it is not your white sandy beach walkable location. Um, yeah. It is close to 30A, and so you can you're closer to drive to the Pearl or whatever if you want to go there. But it's not your typical beach property. And I don't even my map on the MLS when I do my sorts, uh, you know, searches for people. I, I don't even I don't even look at anything. I, I carve out a very specific area that I know what my people mean when they say they want a beach property. They don't mean on Panama City Beach somewhere. They mean close to the sand. So let me go ahead and cut all the nonsense out for you. I don't you know north of the lagoon. Yes, short-term rentable. Okay, there's some over there, but that's not what that's not what you want when you want a beach house. So I'm, we're not even going to look over there. I get some clients like that, and I, I pretty much tell them, "Hey, you guys are going to be getting overflow. Like you'll you'll get bookings, uh, but pretty much take all the numbers that we've been talking about on the beach properties and throw them out the window, and you know, cut them in half. Basically, I mean, you yeah, you can get the. It, it seems like a screaming deal whenever you can get it for for half the price, but um, it's it's not worth it in my opinion. Yeah, it can be very tempting because the properties north of 98 are significantly cheaper. Um, I had one my very one of my first deals in Florida fired me and bought uh somewhere north of 98. And then I recently saw her asking in some Facebook groups why she isn't getting bookings. And there were a lot of comments that said, Well, it's your location. So, guys, just know it can be really tempting. I'm tempted myself sometimes to buy something north of 98 and just try it. But it just, in terms of income, it's just most of the time, of course, there's exceptions to every rule, not going to be the best idea. The other thing that Jan mentioned about buying north of the lagoon in Panama City Beach. So, also, you're not buying north of the bay in Walton County or Okaloosa County. I don't know if you can buy north of the bay in Okaloosa County, uh, unless you went to like Niceville, but or north of the bay in um, Fort Walton Beach. So I've had clients before uh, who, when they're looking at the numbers, and again, we have an entire episode dedicated to numbers, so we'll, we'll cover this more in detail there, but they're looking at, say, Fort Walton Beach. Well, all of the vacation rentals, all the good vacation areas are on Okaloosa Island. 
And then there's the bay north of the island. And then there's Fort Walton proper north of that. And a lot of people were taking the numbers from Okaloosa Island and applying them to north of the bay and then saying, oh, my God, look at this three bedroom house for like 400,000 north of the bay. And I'm going to make like these numbers are amazing. And you're just not going to get people don't go to Fort Walton to go to the bay. They will stay in a crappy condo. They will stay in a Porta John on the beach before they will Mm -hmm. come stay on the other side of the bay. So remember that you have to remember that just because that, and again, we have another episode on data, but a lot of times you have to make sure you're only applying the data to the small area that it actually applies to and not trying to extrapolate that out into, or that's not the right word for that. Not trying to extend that data into areas that it doesn't actually apply. So not north of the bays, any of the bays or lagoons, not north of 98, except in very special uh, specific circumstances. Yep. I agree with that. Same thing with Navarre. I wouldn't buy in Mary Esther, which is North of the Bay and Navarre. So, um, anything else in terms oh, of I to say about Port St. Joe, because we okay. talk about forgotten coast and Port St. Joe oh, we almost forgot has, has very specific places that are short-term minimal. So you can't just take Port St. Joe as a whole, like you can't necessarily take Panama City Beach as a whole. So I don't I don't know as much about Port St. Joe as you guys do or or you Avery, but I just wanted to point that out. Well, actually that's another another thing I would like to point out in terms of um where to buy. So uh Cape Sandblast is going to have the highest income. So you're going to see the highest incomes on Cape Sandblast as opposed to like Port St. Joe proper, uh, because Port St. Joe is like Jan said, there's only certain areas where you can short-term rent. Um, you'll see a little bit higher returns in Mexico Beach than in Port St. Joe um, because there's not a lot of actual beach in Port St. Joe proper. There is a new condo development that I've seen a lot of people talking about as being beachfront. And it's when the tide is in, there is no beach. It goes straight up to the highway. So um Port St. Joe, I mean, there there can be some places that'll work, but again, you kind of have to just know the area and, and lean on your agent on that. Um, but my, uh, in terms of places to buy, I definitely stick south of, I guess, it's, is that still 98 all the way over there, right? South of 98. Um, in Mexico Beach, though, 98, there's only one row of houses below 98. So, you know, use your judgment when you're looking at the geography of these areas that you know, south and north of 98 in Mexico Beach is you're 50 yards from the beach still only being <laughs> like the third row. So keep that in mind. Uh, 98 is basically on the beach uh, once you get to the Forgotten Coast. So it's different, too, in Mexico Beach. Is, uh, it is to, to St. Joe. Yeah. Yeah. So the beach is a little the the sand is a little darker over there. The water's a little darker. It is much flatter. Uh, but then once you get out to Cape Sandblast and St. George Island, it goes back to being nothing is as clear as Destin, Miramar Beach, Panama City, but it's greener and clearer than it is on the bay. So it just kind of depends on on what you're looking for. There's a lot more uh, like not more boating activities, but different ones. So obviously there's deep sea fishing, like just like there is over here, but over there. In the fall, scalloping is a really big deal that I really want to do. I've never done it. And I keep, I say this every year, we're going to do that. And then I forget about it until it's too late. Uh, But scalloping looks pretty cool. You go out in like six feet of water and they give you gloves because apparently scallops will bite you. They're like little clams. We go every year. It's pretty cool. (laughs) It looks so fun. 
<laughs> and they give you get a bag and you just go to the bottom and pick them up. And I really want to do that, but I've just had that. Time. And then when it came time to clean them, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't put my knife in the little animal. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't do this. <laughs> oh yeah. I'll make somebody else do that. I bet there's a really great, like fresh seafood place that I bet would do it for you over there. But yeah, I don't, <laughs> not about cleaning stuff. No. <laughs> I'll eat it though. <laughs> I, catch I get scallop. I get scallop at Whole Foods. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, they, there's so many. I, know, I would say, while we're doing this, like recommendations for fresh fish places, Sexton's and Destin is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother will take us there and like get one of everything. One time I, I was down here actually doing work before I lived here. And my grandmother's 95 now. And she's the best cook in the entire world. And she took me to the fish market and bought one of everything and showed me how to make every type of fish and scallops and the best way to do shrimp and all that. And that was fun. That's yeah. Great. <laughs> do you still do it? <laughs> no, I'm too, I, I don't cook at all anymore. Yeah. Sounds I like, like you know, a firm shop. Get together down here so we can, uh, go down. <laughs> yeah. We can have a, a, a seafood recipe potluck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anything else related to the different areas, different types of properties that work and don't work before we take off? Yeah. One thing, other thing that I think that doesn't work is, you know, this industry is getting much more competitive. So the days of just throwing it on Airbnb and hoping for the best, those days, in my opinion, are over. So if you're not thinking of something a little out of the box, I mean, you don't have to build this crazy like themed you know, whatever, but um, just throwing it on and hoping for the best. Those days have been gone for, I think, several years now. Um, So just be willing to put in creativity um, and being a super manager, because at the end of the day, it's all about management. So if you're not going to manage your property effectively and respond to your guests within a really short amount of time and do what needs to be done as a host, this may not be for you. Yeah, you're in the hospitality business. Yes. A lot of people come in thinking they're real estate investors, which of course you are that too, but you are in the hospitality business. And, and it really, it doesn't take a whole lot to make people happy and to elevate a space, um, but you have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, guys, if you want to buy with any of our Emerald or Forgotten Coast agents, you know where to find us, agents at the shorttermshop.com, or you can find them on our Facebook group, called short-term rental, long-term wealth, same as the book. And if you guys just have more general questions on these markets and how to invest in them, we have open office hours, myself and Luke every Thursday, and you can sign up for that at strquestions.com. Thanks everybody.